You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Winner take all. Who's it going to be? Welcome into Crunch Time on a Thursday afternoon right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. LSU needed a win over the top team in the country last night, and they got it. Now, can they get another winner headed to the College World Series Championship Series to take on the Florida Gators? The loser, well, their season's over. Uh, producer and co-host, Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Thursday, sir. How are you? Happy Thursday, man. I'm doing all right. How about you? Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Looking uh, to survive in advance? Yeah. You know, th- there's reasons why guys or people that go into this sports business, there's reasons why you do it, right? It's for times like these. Absolutely. I mean, a a team that you cover, a a team that you follow, playing in a winner-take-all game where a a trip to the College World Series Championship Series is on the line, I mean, it's rare that it gets much bigger than that. Um, And the, the pitching matchup that is expected, I mean, that's a matchup people have been talking about all year. Rhett Louder versus Paul Skeens. If that's the case, I mean, that's just going to be that right there is worth the price of admission. And I haven't even mentioned Dylan Cruz, Tommy White, Brock Wilkin, so on and so forth. LSU last night winning 5-2 to two in a game where Wake Forest jumped out to a 2-0 lead early. LSU got the run back in the bottom of the second to make it 2-1 to one, and then exploded for four runs in the third to put the game away. They held Wake Forest scoreless for the final seven innings, two runs on seven hits for the Demon Deacons, while the Tigers got five runs on six hits, none bigger than the three-run homer from Cade Beloso in the third inning that really put the game away. So now, like we've mentioned, the stage is set for the winner-take-all game tonight. We'll talk about that in depth over the next 90 minutes. Uh, before we give way to the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, uh, for, for the call on that game beginning at 6 o'clock over on ESPN2. Of course, you can listen to it right here on the game. We'll also get into some interesting NBA draft day traits. Uh, so some of them are quite perplexing, and some of them kind of make sense. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Plus, the Houston Astros developing a little bit of a win streak here. They're heading out on the road for 10 games, though. Can they keep it going? Your call's on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. We're going to chat with Connor O'Neill at 4.30 about tonight's matchup, and then Brendan Ertle will join us at the top of hour number two to do Who Dat Thursday here on the game. James, what were your thoughts of the 5-2 to two win last night for LSU? Unfortunately, you weren't able to see. Well, you you ended up seeing a lot out of Griffin Herring, and you were wondering 
was Javen Coleman going to be able to do the same type of magic that you saw out of Nate Ackenhausen? Unfortunately, it didn't go like that, but you did have another savior in Griffin Herring to be able to keep Wake Forest at bay for a majority of the game. Look, Coleman was not great. He was not. But I'm going to be quite honest with you. I didn't expect him to be. The guy has pitched eight times since coming off of Tommy John. In my honest opinion, starting Javen Coleman last night was not the best decision by Jay Johnson. I, I get you got to get him reps, but can, can you really afford to do it on this stage? And, and you learned that pretty quickly. Uh, Javen gets one and one-thirds innings. He gives up one hit, two runs. Both of them were earned. He walked four and struck out two through 40 pitches in the process. Blake Money comes in. Pitches one-third of an inning, faces two batters. He gives up one hit. And then Jay Johnson, halfway through in a bat, said, eh, I don't like this matchup. Let's go get Griffin Herring. And, I mean, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, but thank God he did. Griffin Herring was outstanding. Four and two-thirds innings. He only gives up three hits, no runs. He walked one. He struck out six in 80 pitches, Gavin Gidry comes in. He gives up two hits, but strikes out two as well. No runs. And then Riley Cooper gets a walk. No hits. Strikes out two to pick up the save. Griffin Herring getting the win last night for LSU. He's 5-2 and two now on the year. Seth Keener, the losing pitcher, falls to 8-2 and two after pitching four and a third, giving up five runs and striking out four. So now... Both teams are, are in an interesting dilemma. Both of your ace pitchers are on, quote-unquote, short rest. Paul Skeen's pitch last pitched five days ago. Rhett Lauder last pitched six days ago, five days ago. Do you bring them back sooner than they're used to for this colossal game that, that some people are viewing it as the national championship. I mean, I literally heard a commentator say post-game last night that this was the national tonight's game was going to be the national championship game, and Florida was just going to be given the title because whoever wins this game is going to be out of gas in the actual championship series. But tonight's the national championship game. And I don't know that I necessarily disagree with them. Do you throw Paul Skeens tonight, knowing that if you let him throw a full game, he does not appear in the championship series. Because you ha- you have to win this game. There's no tomorrow. I-, I get it. But at the same time, there kind of is a tomorrow. Because if you win, which last night you very much proved that you can beat this team, you're going to play a three-game series, and you're going to need your ace for it. So, how do you fix that? Well, I have a solution that some people might not like, but I think it's one that can work. You limit Paul Skeens. You look at him and say, Bud, look, if you want to start, you can start. You've got 60 pitches. However long that takes you. If it takes you seven innings to throw 60 pitches, then great. But you have 60 pitches. 
Because my thing is this. If you hold him to 60, the 50 to 60 range, and he rests tomorrow, Saturday, two full days of rest, I think you can bring him back on another limited outing on Sunday. It's just my two cents. Now, is that ideal? No. You're asking a kid that just pitched 123 pitches five days ago to throw 120 more in a a two-day span. It's not ideal. But at the same time, there is a way for LSU to use him twice and not jeopardize his career. Because I don't think that 120 pitches in two days' time is going to jeopardize him. Now, if you let him go out there tonight and throw 120 pitches tonight, then that's crazy. But if you limit him tonight and then bring him back over the weekend, I really think that he's okay there. And that would be the best-case scenario for LSU. Or you can do what you've done the last two games and hope that it works again. Start a Thatcher Hurd. Start a Blake Money. Start a Gavin Gidry. And just kind of see see what you get. See if it works out for you a third time. I don't know that I would feel very confident that it does, but then again, I wasn't confident about the first two times either. So there's an interesting dilemma there for Jay Johnson, and we'll get to it deeper in just a second. We'll get James's thoughts. Let's go to the game hotline now, though. T, what's up? Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing good. Yourself? Uh, fantastic, sir. There you go. Go Tigers. Uh, first of all, I want to echo Jordy. Happy birthday to Pistol Pete, the greatest player I've ever seen also. So my second point is you are spot on with, with – that's what I do. 50, 60 pitches. I mean, that's – to me, he can go Sunday or Monday if we make it yep. to Monday. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and because uh, here, because here's the thing: if he throws fifty or sixty pitches and your offense does what it's supposed to do, you you probably have a three nothing lead at that point. Your your bullpen right. can hold a three nothing lead, or at if least it should be able like to. They have been, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think if you do that, you can bring him back over the weekend, and that's the best-case scenario for LSU. Okay, one quick question, and yeah. I'll hang up and listen after. Um, if Will Wade stays at Magnese for four years and Matt McMahon doesn't work out, what's the chances of him coming back to LSU? I'll hang up and listen, man. Love your show. Appreciate you, T. What's the chances that Will Wade goes back to LSU? Probably zero. For 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 a multitude of reasons. Number one, Scott Woodward's probably not going to rehire a guy that he fired. That that's number one. And then number two, I don't know that Will Wade would go back to LSU after being fired by LSU. I can see him going back. I could see him going to a different SEC school. For sure. For sure. But of the about-to-be-14 SEC teams to choose from, I feel like LSU would be about 12 to 14 on the list. We'll dive deeper into the ruling 
uh, during today's show, but I, I've just I've got to tell you, both Will Wade and LSU got off pretty easily for for the level of accusations and the level of infractions that LSU were handed down the day Will Wade got fired. This punishment seems pretty uh, slap on the wrist-like, in in my opinion. Now, could that be because of the fact that NIL is now a thing? Certainly. It certainly could be. Could it be that both LSU and McNeese, who now employs Will Wade, self-imposed penalties? Yeah, probably. The NCAA definitely took that into account. Uh, But this was... I don't know that I was expecting to see a lot more, but I was expecting more than 10 games and you can't recruit off campus. But, hey, it is what it is at this point. 4.15, we'll take a timeout when we return. Hear from Jay Johnson. We'll talk about the LSU baseball game a little bit further, and then Connor O'Neill joins us at 4.30 right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. There will be a benefit performance held this Sunday for Grammy Award-winning Louisiana bass player Lee Allen Zeno of the famed Zydeco band Buckwheat Zydeco. The show will be held from 1 to 7 o'clock at the Showbox at 2431 West Congress Street in Lafayette. The cost is $10 at the door, and the funds raised will help pay for the cost of repairs to Zeno's house to help make it livable again. So come out and watch some great music for a great cause. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time 419. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. James, one place I would like to be right now, the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut. It is 63 degrees right now over in New England. That sounds lovely. Right now at the Travelers Championship, Keegan Bradley, Adam Scott, and Denny McCarthy tied for the lead at 8-under. Scotty Scheffler behind them at 6-under. Patrick Cantlay is at 5-under. Cam Davis at 5-under as well. Sahith Thigala at 4-under. Ben Taylor, the former LSU Tiger, at 4-under. Matt Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy, and Victor Hovland each at 3-under as well. Let's go to the game hotline now. Zach, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? Uh, I wanted to – I'm not going to act like I uh, came up with this take, but uh, I don't think y'all considered with schemes. Um, how about you don't use them unless you need them? They were talking about this on Foot Show earlier, but uh, start that your herd, start whoever you want. If you need – let's say it's 3-2, you're up fifth inning. You need schemes, bring them in. But don't use them unless you need them, because you're gonna need them if you make it to the uh, to the finals. And, and I and I agree with you. You absolutely will need them if you make it to the finals. 
but why why not throw him for 50, 60 pitches and then just turn around and do it again three days later? Because because I, because of the fact that if you don't need him today, then you have him for 120. You have him for seven innings, you know, whatever that will be. Okay, so and 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 and, and I agree with your point, and that and that's a great point. But if Wake Forest throws Rhett louder tonight, can can you afford to not throw Skeens? Yeah, I personally, louder's great. I don't, I don't think he's on the same level as. I think he's very, very touchable. Um, I think you throw a, I, you y'all may not agree, but I think you throw a Thatcher Hurd at a Rhett louder. You know, Thatcher Hurd, he's he could pretty much go a eighty pitch start, ninety pitch start. He hasn't really been used that much. I, I don't know, man. I like I, I don't think Wake Forest bats. They're so tight. I don't think their bats are gonna that gonna that do thought. I think we put it. I think we put three or four across in the first six innings. That that thought definitely crossed my mind uh, of just starting Thatcher Hurd and, and hoping that you can get through tonight and just hold Paul Skeens for the championship. I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That thought definitely crossed into my head. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Look, like like I've like I've said a couple times this week, there's a reason I don't get paid 1.2 million dollars to coach a baseball team. Yeah, yeah. So same, they know what they're doing. Right. We don't. Right. That's why we're the fans, they're coaches. But I thought I'd drop that drop that on there. Foot talked about it earlier. So no, absolutely, man. Appreciate the call. All right, have a good night. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're pushing 90 minutes till game time. Uh, I've got to imagine that the starters are, are going to come out any minute now. Because um, I'll, I'll tell you, Wes Johnson and Jay Johnson have known who's throwing tonight since about 5 o'clock this morning. And whoever's starting tonight has known since about 8. Because starting pitchers, that's an all-day preparation. That is an all-day preparation. So they have to know hours in, in advance um speaking of head coach jay johnson following their win last night to wake forest jay johnson gave his thoughts on the game including the big third innings yeah um i did not like the first inning and and again i'm we're talking about three future major leaguers that hit for us in the first inning um but you know first pitch out and then um, I thought Tommy swung at a ball on strike three, and I thought Trey swung at a ball on the three-two. Now, Keener is really good and has deception like their whole staff does. And then we gave up two. And again, part of that was the offense's fault for making Javen go out there that quickly after a tough first inning. Like, that's bad baseball. Um, then so we just gathered it up. It's like we'd actually talked about a scenario where if, if you lose your plan in the postseason, that this can get away from me and it's over just like that so we had already talked about what i saw happen in the first inning and it's go like no like we have to get back in in character and they did immediately you know against a really really two really good pitchers tonight and um sullivan's tough he's really tough and we didn't do anything really off of him but i'm pretty pretty pleased with how we tried to execute what we were trying to do off of him and Jay Johnson also talked about his players and how they've looked loose in their elimination games. Yeah, I think, um, you know, in the first meeting of the year, every year, one thing I tell them is 365 days a year, we're going to work on mindset. We expect to be here. We expect to be playing uh, important baseball in June. And we play every game like we're playing important baseball in June. 
like the the Tuesday on March 22nd against McNeese is the playoff game to us. And the thought process behind that is if you do that all year long, then you can just stay in character when you get to the postseason. And that's something that I adopted early on in my career. And I think it's really benefited us in tournament play. Griffin Herring, the winning pitcher last night for LSU, who again, four and two-thirds innings, gave up only three hits, had six strikeouts as well. Dominating performance for the freshman. He was asked post-game, you know, you haven't pitched in a while. How do you get ready for a moment like this when you're been, you've been kind of rusty? Um, you know, we throw weekly bullpens. Coach uh, Wes Johnson, he does a great job with us. Um, really good catch play, a lot of intent with everything that we're doing, um, and, you know, pure adrenaline. This place is awesome. Um, I think I kind of was able to feed off the adrenaline instead of letting it, uh, letting it get to me, kind of like steroid shot. Pretty cool. <laughs> Like a steroid shot. I mean, hey, man, whatever works. Whatever gets you going. Whatever works. Like people pe- people were talking about Gavin Gidry pacing the dugout, having a conversation with himself. Like, look, man, whatever you got to do, if you're going to go out there and, punt and, and pound the strike zone and, and get a strikeouts, whatever you got to do, bro. How about the other Wake Forest pitcher that was wiping his yeah. face every half second? Yeah. Uh, like, okay, he, he, okay he, freak. He looked like he took one too many scoops of pre-workout before he... Uh, one too many? <laughs> before he, he took, took the whole out. thing. <laughs> the whole container. <laughs> he needs oh. another thing of whey protein pre-workout. Cade Beloso, who hit the three-run home run into the right field bullpen, talked about his home run and what he was seeing at the plate. Yeah, um, it was... I was just trying to, you know, hit a fly ball to center field, uh, stay out of the double play. Uh, once that pass ball, you know, happened, kind of changed my mindset a little bit. But uh, when you have a good, as good as a coach as Coach Jay, you know, especially with hitting, uh, he's telling you to get the ball your thigh. You better listen. Uh, so got a change up in my thigh, and you know, put a good swing on it, and uh, just you know, went over the fence. A tweet from our friend Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser: Roughly an hour and a half before first pitch, and the wind is blowing in from center field. Looks like the wind is going to be a major factor again today. Look, I know we haven't gotten to it yet, but my X factor for tonight, I mean, hand on a Bible, not lying to you, is Mother Nature. I said this exact same thing. I thought that the wind would blow in from center field tonight and that it would create some issues. So it's kind of... I I I don't I don't want to say I called it, but I kind of called it. Um, it it's James is going to be interesting to see because both of these teams hit a lot of home runs. So if the wind is blowing in and creating some issues, who's going to be able to hit for contact better? Which makes it more effective if you don't need Paul Skeens, even if they're going with their ace. If you have a bunch of guys that put in the air and try to go for it all and aren't going for just contact, do you necessarily need Paul Skeens? So, so you were of the mindset to start Thatcher Hurd. I was in the mindset of starting Thatcher Hurd. You, you even went for Nate and going for Javen. It was like, if you really want to try someone else, I'd like try Dutton if you really wanted to. Because I know 
you saw quite a few innings from Thatcher, but I mean, it's not like it was crazy. And, and I know that this sounds kind of wild, but how big of a factor will it be that LSU's the home team tonight? I know that sounds silly, but but you always if you being able to have the last response in giving yourself the last chance, you and can, you can let them set the tone at the start of the at the top of the first. But it's like if they're putting up any runs, at least you have one last chance at the end. Because if you tr- let's say the game is at three apiece heading into the ninth, if you were at the top and you weren't able to put up any runs, and it's still three three headed to the bottom, and Wake Force was at the bottom Correct. of the frame, well, then they have all the momentum because they have one last chance to try and get scratch one more run on the board and, and win the game. And you talked about them setting the tone offensively. Look, I, I think it's more important for you to go out there on the top of the first and set the tone defensively. Uh, I, I think you're better suited for nine innings if you can go have a, a one, two, three inning right off the bat and, and show them, look, runs are not going to be easy tonight. Oh, if you can get like either two strikeouts or a strikeout and two grounders or two pot flies and not really get too deep in account and you get it done like boom, one, two, three, and you're headed to the bottom, oh, you're feeling good. Yeah, I think that's huge. So as silly as it sounds to be talking about, oh, how big of a factor is LSU the home team, it, it kind of makes a difference uh, from a from a mentality standpoint, no question. Again, 6 o'clock first pitch, 5.30 pregame Right here on the game. We'll take a timeout here, 431. When we return, Connor O'Neill of Deacon Illustrated joins us to preview the winner take all game between the Demons and the Tigers right here on the game. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in to Crunch Time inside the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Met me, guys. James Mesh, the game hotline is 337-706-0111. LSU picks up a 5-2 win last night to set up a winner-take-all game tonight. You know how that works. Winner goes to the championship series. Loser, well, they go home. Connor O'Neill of Deacons Illustrated joins us on the game hotline to preview that game, plus talk about last night's game as well with the Demon Deacons. Connor, what's going on, my man? How are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm not talking to y'all from the zoo this time, so it's a little, <laughs> a little more uh, calm down here in Best Western plus Room 206. Uh, no no um, bongos walking around or anything like that. Yeah, that that's uh, that, that's probably a good thing. Right. Um, so, man, let, let's let's start with last night's game. You know, Wake Forest starts off hot. Tommy Hawk gets a, a two RBI single to put Wake on the board early, and, and things kind of felt like they were going right for the Demon Deacons. Uh, LSU's pitching was struggling a little bit with Javen Coleman and Blake Money, um, but then Jay Johnson made a matchup switch, and he went to Griffin Herring on the mound, and things kind of started to turn uh, at that point. And then the offense came alive with the RBI double from Jobert. And then you had a couple issues in the third inning with a wild pitch that led to a three-run home run from Cade Beloso. J- just kind of walk me through those early innings and, and where you kind of felt things start to turn. Yeah, I'm 
momentum is such a huge thing in college baseball. It's such a huge thing in every sport at every level. But, you know, Wake gets that 2-0 lead. That was the first time Wake had had a lead in, out in Omaha uh, before the eighth inning. And uh, you, you had to feel good about it. Uh, then, you know, LSU gets to run back, but Wake got out of the, uh, out of a tough situation in the bottom of that second. You're feeling like, okay, they've, they've got this. It's 2-1. And then, uh, that bottom of the third, uh, that's an inning that Wake could wind up regretting for a long time if they lose tonight. It's an inning that is going to kind of be a footnote and an afterthought if, if they win tonight and end up moving on anyway. Um, Tom Walter, the, 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 there were two decisions, and one of them he couldn't make uh, in regard to facing Cade Beloso with the bases loaded. Um, the one that Wake fans wanted him to make was put Sean Sullivan into the game and get a lefty-on-lefty matchup there. Uh, Sean Sullivan, he said, wasn't ready to enter the game. Um, so that's disappointing. But if, if that card isn't on the table, then you can't play it, obviously. So the the thing that he actually regretted was after the wild pitch to make it a 2-0 count, uh, LSU's got the game tied. You can intentionally walk and say, all right, we're, we're not throwing any more pitches to Cape Beloso, put him on first base, and we'll take our chances with, I think it's Jordan Thompson who bats after him. Um, that would have been the – that's the one that, that Wake is, is going to wind up regretting. They regretted it last night. Um that's the one where it's it's a two two game and you've got a double play in order rather than it's a five two game and you need a comeback against the freshman pitcher who wound up throwing the ball phenomenally. Um, I'll be interested to see where Griffin Herring's career takes him uh, in the future. I can't imagine I'll see him again tonight, but yeah, that's that's one to keep an eye on for sure. You know, you you, t- you talk about that third inning and, and Wake Forest kind of regretting it. One thing I want to bring up is the fact that Sean Sullivan played last night. I've noticed when, when I watch Wake Forest, especially when Rhett Louder's on the mound, that uh, the, the Deacons like to have Louder and Sullivan kind of be a one-two combo. Um, you know, what, what went into the decision to play Sullivan last night instead of holding him for a potential winner-take-all tonight? they were confident that they were going to get more runs and that that was still a winnable game at 5-2. And so you're you're going to go to Sean Sullivan instead of stretching out your bullpen in a game where you're down um, with with the with the three power arms, Cole Rowland, Michael Massey, and Cam Manassi. And if you, if you throw a couple of the other guys, uh, it's not waving a white flag, but you're, you're kind of giving yourself a disservice. Um, Wake basically has a top seven in in pitching arms, and uh, the the guys I'm referring to there are not in that top seven. But you go to Sean Sullivan, and, and to me, I, I tried to point this out to Wake fans who are acting like the Tom Walter managed it managed to lose the game. If they were managing to lose the game, then Sean Sullivan would have been saved for tonight. To your to your exact point, Sean Sullivan would have been piggybacked with Red Louder's start tonight. Right. Uh, if, if they were just playing for, okay, let's see if we can pound out 10 runs and beat LSU in a slugfest or else we're going to win on Thursday. So to me, the, the only way you pitch Sean, Sean Sullivan last night is if you know there is a 90% or better chance that Rhett Louder is able to go today. 
Um, and, and that's what it reads to me, and that's what it still reads to me um, here as we approach game time. So you, you are of the belief that Red Louder will be on the mound tonight for Wake Forest? Yes. Uh, you know, with, without having a lineup in my hands, um, I, I think that's the case. Uh, it's just, you know, a, a game of this gravity, I don't think you look at it and say, okay, we're going to throw our midweek guy who mostly has pitched against High Point and UNCG and Liberty and UNC Wilmington this year. Um, you're not throwing that guy out there. And then in turn asking all of your bullpen arms to, instead of one inning, give you two innings, maybe three. Um, this is, this is red like it's, it's a red louder day. Probably not for a hundred pitches. Probably not, you know, more than two times through the order. Uh, I would, I would guess he's around 60 to 80 pitch count. But but I would think it's Rhett Louder Day. I think it's a Paul Skeens Day. And I think we, we get the matchup that kind of everybody was hoping we'd see and everybody was a little disappointed we didn't get the chance to see earlier in the in pool play. Now, all, offensively, Connor, you look at a guy like Nick Kurtz. You look at a guy like Brock Wilkin. And then you look at a guy like Danny Corona, who, who's been hot as of late. I'm hard-pressed to believe that they combined for seven strikeouts again. It's that that's kind of the baffling thing. Like that, that's where uh, we can we can go back and forth on the pitching discussion. And I, you know, I'm, I, pitching is is a heck of a thing to talk about. It's obviously very applicable. If Wake doesn't score runs, they're losing tonight. Um, it's just kind of that simple. I don't know if you can even count on winning another three two game like they did in the first two games out here. Um, they're too good an offense to struggle like this, uh, especially. The, the one that you didn't mention there is Justin Johnson. He's been hitting the five-hole for about two months. He's a first-team All-ACC guy. Uh, he's third on the team in homers. He really drives the ball well. He's 0-for-12 in Omaha. Last night he had three strikeouts and an 0-for-5. Basically the only positive at-bat that I feel like he's had was a stacked bunt against Stanford to move the runners over and set up the, the game-winning hit there. Otherwise, uh, he's been a very big hole in the five spot. Uh, and then and then you talk about Nick Kurtz, uh, one of the best hitters in college baseball this year. And he, I thought he had really good at-bats against LSU the last two times up on Monday night. And I thought he had a really good at-bat last night in the first inning. Um, and I've kind of, I don't know if it's, if it's wishful thinking, like I like the kid, uh, I like talking to him, I like getting to know him. I feel like I've seen enough where I was saying that He's just one swing away from, from kind of being in a groove like we've seen throughout the season. And right after I said that last night, I feel like his at-bats just got worse and worse, and he had less of a clue up there. So they've got to get him figured out. They've got to get Justin Johnson figured out. I think there's going to be a lineup shakeup for Wake going into this game. Uh, Tom Walter alluded to it last night in the press conference about maybe shaking some things up. And, look, when you're when you're 54 and 11 – the buttons that you've pressed or have worked for the most part all year. So I, I, I got to think that there will be some kind of lineup shake up here. And I've got to think that it's going to have it yield at least some better results. Um, it'd be, be kind of hard to be worse. Connor O'Neill of Deacons illustrated joining us here on crunch time. You know, you talked earlier about momentum and, and how it's such a big thing 
in college baseball. With the 5-2 win last night for the Tigers, it's safe to say that they have the momentum headed into the winner-take-all game tonight. How does Wake Forest combat that and maybe swing the momentum a little bit? I think, you know, as long as we have the pitching matchup that we think we have with Skeens and Louder, I think it's got to take an early run against Paul Skeens, um, show that he's human, show, show that you can do it against the guy that is the best pitcher in college baseball, uh, maybe show your guy who has heard all year how he's the second best pitcher in college baseball that, hey, you know, we've, we've got you an early run uh, or two. I think I think the first couple innings of this game are really going to be telling. Um, that's not to diminish the fact that there could be some late-inning craziness, uh, especially when both of these teams get to bullpens that have, that have been, you know, LSU's bullpen, I would say, has been a little more taxed than Wake's uh, to this point. That's the product of having to play a third game in three nights. But um, they've, they've certainly made efficient use out of it. Uh, I think Riley Cooper, in my estimation, will be the only guy I – might not be available, um, plus Griffin Herring maybe. But, yeah, it's uh, – it's, if LSU comes out and Skeen's able to, to really pump them in there and fire up zeros, um, it's going to start feeling like a really big uphill climb for Wake. You know, Connor, I know you don't have a lineup in your hands yet, but in, in your head, who's unavailable for Wake Forest tonight other than Seth Keener and, and maybe Sean Sullivan? I think it's just those two guys. Um, the the one that is kind of my my curiosity at this point is whether this is Josh Hartle's bullpen day and how many times in this event do you hear about, oh, well, it's the kid's bullpen day, so he'd be thrown anyway. Why not just throw him out there for an inning or two? Um, I wouldn't bank on that, but it's something that if, if Josh Hartle jogs out to the bullpen, say the third or fourth inning, and you see him enter uh, piggybacking off of Rhett Louder tonight, don't don't have a heart attack. Don't be shocked because I do think that would be on the board. As we wrap up, Connor, you know we always talk about X factors and the one guy that that a team's going to need to show up in order for them to have success outside of the obvious, you know, obviously you would need Rhett Louder to have a really good game. That's obvious. Who else in your opinion would be the X factor tonight for the demon Deacons? I would go Tommy Hawk. Um, he had struggled in the first couple games out here and he had a three for five game last night, driven wakes only two runs. Um, he, I, if I'm not mistaken, had three straight hits, and then in the fourth at bat, there was the one that lined the ball hard at Tommy at uh, yeah Tommy White at third base that he kind of snagged twice uh, for the third out of that inning in the eighth. So, you know, it, it's easy to say um, the leadoff hitter is the table setter, and he kind of sets the tone. That's what Tommy's done all year. Um, it's kind of obvious he's the second best leadoff hitter in this game. And that'd be the case uh, uh, for anybody facing LSU and Dylan Cruz. But but I think Tommy Tommy Hawk needs to set the kind of set the tone early, um, and that goes to to what I was talking about with momentum. Uh, if he if he if he's able to get on base in an early inning and they're able to get him in, that's really going to pump up Wake and kind of shift the vibes back from from where they were last night. 
Connor O'Neill from Deacons Illustrated joining us here on Crunch Time. Kyle, appreciate your time. Connor, I'm sorry. Appreciate your time, man, uh, and enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And there he goes, Connor O'Neill of Deacons Illustrated. We'll take a time out, and we'll wrap up our number one right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The LSU Tigers will take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons tonight at the College World Series with the winner heading to the Championship Series. Pre-game begins at 5.30 and first pitch is set for 6. And all the action is brought to you right here on the game thanks to Ardco Equipment, Arsenal Machine Supply, Bubba Ocelet Toyota Ford, Cypress Bayou Casino, Iggy Castile State Farm, Attorney Paul Brown, The Bank, Service Chevrolet Cadillac, Beal and Hernandez, and Tibbs Trailers. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're wrapping up our number one here from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in multifamily construction. Now, during the break, we did see that we did get a roster card, couple of changes, and we found out who's the starting pitcher. Paul Skeens is going to be on the mound with the purple jerseys. Oh. You, you you lost me at the purple jerseys. I'm not superstitious. Oh, I'm superstitious. But I am a little stitious. I'm superstitious. If you are winning in gold, you have to continue wearing gold. I don't care if Paul Skeens' favorite jersey is purple. I don't. If you have been winning in the gold, you wear the gold. If you lose tonight, I'm blaming it all on Paul Skeens. <laughs> Even if he, ha- I don't care what happens. Paul Skeens could pitch a gym. If you lose one nothing on a solo shot in the bottom of the ninth, I'm blaming Paul Skeens because you wore the purple jerseys. You messed up the superstition. No, can't do that. You can't do that. Now, I'm not mad that they're starting Paul Skeens. Honestly, I, I think that it's the right move. But he has to be on a pitch count. You cannot let him run for a hundred something pitches. Because then you don't have them in a potential championship series at all. Um, so keep them fifty to sixty, and, and then I think he could come back in, in on the weekend and, and give you the same thing, which I, I think is going to be important uh, uh, against a really good Florida team. Now, there's there's a couple other changes to the batting order. And I know some people were kind of hoping this, but Jordan Thompson is still in it. Uh, his de- uh, okay. his his defense is just it's too strong. Um, so he he's now in the seven hole. Braden Jobert has moved up to the six hole. Josh Pearson and Alex Malazzo have also switched. So your top three: Cruz, White, Morgan. Shocker. Your middle three: Dugas, Beloso, Jobert, and then your bottom three: Thompson. Pearson, Malazzo, and then Skeens on the mound. Lineup for Wake Forest, Hawk, Costello, Kurtz, Wilkin, Bennett, Corona, Johnson, Lee, 
Houston. And the starting pitcher, the junior, with a 1.99 ERA and a perfect 15-0 record is Rhett Louder. Look, I'm going to say it again. These are the moments. This is why you're a sports fan. It's for the Game 7s. It's for the winner-take-alls. It's This is what it's about. Two really good teams that both deserve an opportunity to play for a national title, and there's only one spot left. So who is going to take it? It's going to be one of the better college baseball games in recent memory. Uh, first pitch set for 6 o'clock. Pre-game is at 5.30 right here on the game via the LSU Sports Radio Network. Bill Frankes and Chris Blair will bring you the pre-game show. And then, of course, Chris Blair will have the call beginning at 6 o'clock. We've got 30 more minutes coming up of crunch time right after this top of the hour sports update. Brendan Erdl is going to join us to talk some New Orleans Saints. We'll also get his thoughts on the Pelicans draft tonight. Do they make a trade? Is it too late? And his opinion on LSU baseball. We'll do that next here on the game. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. In hour number one, we talked about the PGA Tour, the Travelers Championship. We recapped last night's 5-2 to two win for the LSU Fighting Tigers. We'll get you set for their matchup with Wake Forest in a winner-take-all bout tonight uh, with a spot on with a spot in the championship series on the line. Uh, game hotline is 337-706-0111. Right now, let's talk some black and gold while we mix in some Pelicans and LSU Tigers as well. It's our guy Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles. Brendan, what's going on, my man? How are you? What's up, guys? Doing good, doing good. So, look, you know, with everything going on right now in the state, the New Orleans Saints kind of get overshadowed, especially now that that mini camp is over. Uh, but you know, in, in your opinion, wh- where are the Saints at right now? Where do they they need to grow? Where do they need to look to to maybe get better? You know what? I, yeah, we are at a we're at, we're at a point in this in this off season where it's really really quiet. And I'm going to tell you this: we had some news today that training camp will start July 26th, so that's something. As a Saints fan. As a uh, Louisiana native, um, I know we want news, but any kind of news right now in the football offseason is bad news. We do not want any kind of news um, unless it's like, you know, Hunter Renfro kind of uh, news. But besides that, um, leave all that news away from us. We don't need any bad news right now. Um, you know, last offseason we had a lot of that, and I think we could just do without it. But um, for for the same side of things, I, I think um, – they could do a couple things. Dennis Allen said um, they're thin at a few positions, so they could go out and address those things until um, they have you know, a solid month to do so. Um, and that's just a matter of if they find the right guy that they want to bring in. You know, you say you don't want any bad news, and I, and I agree. I, I don't want any either. But at the same time, 
I would kind of be okay with just hearing the Alvin Kamara punishment and being done with it. You know what? That's that's fair. I think I think we'd all would like to know what that penalty is going to be, and more importantly, when it's going to be. You know, if it's six games in the middle of the year, um, I'd rather him just get over with week one. Just, I mean, get get used to not having him, and then it becomes a luxury later on to have him. Um, and maybe for a playoff run, you, you get that guy back. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be him, and there's also going to be Marcus May we have to worry about. Um, and those are two positions where, you know, you're loaded at one position at running back, and, and safety, you're kind of thin at the other. So, um, yeah, that is that is a good point. You'd like to hear those things. You know, pretty soon. Look, uh, we we know that the Superdome is getting renovated in phases. The Saints released renderings of Phase Three today. Ha- have you seen them? First of all, I have. I have. And, and what are you, what are your thoughts? You know, my thoughts are we we see we see it every single year about the the bidding for the Super Bowl and uh, who wants to host that game and. It goes a little uh, deeper than just Saints games experiences. It goes to like you know March Madness and you know obviously the Super Bowl and other things that that go on in that building. I just like to see that building stay up to date because there there are I think we're kind of spoiled in this way. There are so many stadiums in this league where they're just not up to par of you know the the Superdomes or the uh, Lambeau Fields or um, you know the Arizona Cardinal Stadium where it's like state of the art iconic. Um, it feels like there's a Super Bowl at Arizona every other year, um, but I, I I just think uh, it's it's good for the city to have that, um, and it makes the city a whole lot of money too if, if the Super Bowl does come this way. But uh, for the Saints side of things, I always love to see the the upgrade of it too. Um, you know, over the past few years, we've had some great upgrades, and you know that huge video board's been one of one of my favorites. But um, just making the building overall nicer is huge W. Now. Looking at you know the the, the rookies that they got to spend the day around the city today. They went eat at Drago's. They experienced the second line. They got snowballs at Hanson's. You know, got got the full New Orleans experience. Uh, how how important is it for those guys to get acclimated to the city so early on? I mean, super important. I mean, a lot of these guys, uh, Jake Hainer, for example, he's coming from Fresno State, and I've been on teams where we've traveled to Fresno State and we've played in that area. And it is another planet going to New Orleans from Fresno State. So just getting to know the city, getting to know the people. Um, if you watched the video the Saints posted, um, you know they had their they had their uh, tour guides and all that. But Nick Anderson was was uh, having fun with it too. Obviously, a Louisiana native and Tulane player, um, he was a tour guide too. So ha- having a teammate that kind of knows the city real well is important too. A lot of these times, you know, they have have these kids and uh, free agents where they come in and. They go to Chipotle like Derek Carr and you know, reaching out to, to Nick. And I know I'm rooting for Nick Anderson to make the team, but having a guy like, yo, Nick, uh, take me to dinner tonight. Where are we going to go? It's just, it's good to have that familiarity with the city. And, you know, it can be overwhelming for, for pretty much anyone to be in a new city with these uh, high expectations. And uh, I, I think it's all good stuff to, to go and enjoy that. You know, I threw a question around earlier this week on Canal about Derek Carr and. You know, you look at the quarterback situation for the Saints ever since Drew Brees retired. Trevor Simeon, Ian Book, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton. Bad, bad, (laughs) bad, bad, and bad. Now you have Derek Carr, who, yes, team success hasn't really had much. But his numbers have consistently been good. Mm Mm-hmm. 
is uh, and and I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna sit here and say that I'm comparing Derek Carr to to Drew Brees because there's no comparison. But is Derek Carr the quarterback that the Saints have been looking to find since Drew Brees hung it up? I, I think he is, and we we could do this many different ways. I mean, he could come in and throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns in his first game. But if he comes in and throws for 200 yards, 250 yards a game, throws a couple of touchdowns, um, and he's he's you know he's all right. That is ten times better than what we've dealt, dealt with these past two years. I mean, come on, there's people out there saying, "Oh, the Saints they should have went, they they should have uh, just blew it up and tried to get a high draft pick and whatnot, and uh, they should have went for Lamar Jackson or these these huge names." And, and yeah, they're paying a quarterback a huge money, and you expect to have uh, big expectations for this guy, but. It feels like no matter what, we got a quarterback that can make audibles at the line, and we haven't had that since Drew Brees, and we have a quarterback who um, has already made a huge impact on his team. I mean, you watch a, a Derek Carr press conference, and I think just the, the buy-in from the players is already so much better. I mean, no, no offense to Jameis Winston and all those guys, but you're getting a guy that has success in this league, and for, for people like Alave and Shahid, um, they had great seasons with Andy Dalton. No offense to Andy Dalton, but that dude was throwing for 150 yards a game, and he was lucky to get a couple touchdowns. So I think you know, even even at the worst situation with Derek Carr, he's still the answer. Um, we're still better off than we were before. And, um, you know, Derek Carr's never had a top 25 defense. He, he's going to come in and walk into a top 10 defense uh, and a potential to be a top five defense. So um, And in a weak NFC, too. So um, I, I would be probably – unhappy if he wasn't a top five quarterback in the NFC. Um, but I think come, you know, this time next year, we're going we're gonna to be talking about, you know, Pro Bowler St. Derek Carr. Brendan Ertle joining us here on, on Crunch Time. Yesterday, Cam Jordan said that he fully expects to bring Derek Carr back to Las Vegas to play in the Super Bowl. Uh, when, when you have a veteran defensive end, talking like that headed into training camp. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? You know, th- there's players on this team, you know, Mike, Kamara, uh, Lattimore, DeMario, that I I would just love to see them win a Super Bowl and have, have a ring and have success with this team because they've, they were so close so many times, but there's no one, no one, probably in the NFL that deserves a ring more than him. I mean, we see a lot of player movement and, um, you know, players chasing rings and whatnot but cam has been a lifetime saint a california kid coming into new orleans uh he signed some deals where he could have got a lot more elsewhere he still could get a lot more elsewhere um and i, I love his confidence and you know sometimes his confidence will bite him in the butt because of what he says on twitter you know what he said about kirk cousins being a, a right decision maker but a, but a slow uh, a slow decision maker right decisions slow, slow decisions which is equal sacks for him um you know, he likes to talk, and that's a good thing for a defensive end, but I think no one deserves a Super Bowl more than him. And you know he's going to be confident, and he's going to try and uh, obviously get to Las Vegas for Carr and for all those other guys that deserve him as well. All right, I know you're a Pelicans fan. They're picking at 14 tonight. Do they mm-hmm. stay at 14, or is there a draft night blockbuster trade looming? You know, if you asked me last week, I'd be like, yeah, I think it's time. The new CBA coming up in a couple of years, I, I, in the new TV deal, um, I would have been like, "Yeah, it makes sense to to trade Bi to Charlotte, or um, see what maybe Charlotte does and go trade with Portland to go get Scoot." Um, 
and it's, it's been interesting because we've gone through this, this roller coaster of, yeah, Charlotte likes Brandon Ingram, um, but they're deciding between Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. Portland prefers Zion, so um, what, what do you do there? It's been so up and down. It's been so quiet lately. I think the Pelicans stay at 14. Maybe they try and trade up to, you know, like 10 with Dallas. I know Dallas probably wants to move out of that pick, but I think they stay at 14 and, and make that pick. Um, they've never formally offered, you know, Zion or B. I don't think they want to either. Um, in this West, we're seeing it right now with Chris Paul going to Golden State and Bradley Bill to Phoenix. There's a lot going on. I think the right thing to do would maybe extend this um, championship window by trading one of those guys to go get scooped, but it doesn't sound like they want to do that. doesn't sound like maybe um, there's a smoke screen as well. So I think the Pelicans stay at 14, and my guy right now would be Derek Lively, the center. Um, I think you know they don't use Jonas Valanciunas enough, so uh, go get a guy that you're going to use. What, did, what about the idea of a Jordan Hawkins out of, out of UConn? as a shooter, and then also his cousins an hour down the road in Angel Reese. Yeah, I, I like I like both those guys. And, um, you know, obviously the, the cousin connection would be pretty cool as well. And uh, Hawkins kind of reminds me a little bit of Trey Murphy because, you know, he really chucks it from far away, and that's what Trey Murphy did so well at Virginia Tech. Um, and a lot of people get mixed up in the NBA draft. You're just picking the best player. You're not, you're not looking for a position or thing like that. So um, Hawkins is definitely a guy I, I love as well, but – yeah, I don't really expect um, a real busy night for the Pelicans, um, even though we probably expected a couple days ago. And then lastly, LSU baseball uh, with Wake Forest tonight, a winner-take-all, one spot left in the championship series. Do you agree with the decision to start Paul Skeens, and what are you expecting tonight? I, I, I do. I 100% do. Um, I think Wake Forest is scared of this pitching, and I think they were lucky to get that first game. Um, and this, this second game, I, can, I think we kind of saw it a little bit. Um, this team's dangerous, and it seemed like a little bit, Wake Forest was a little bit hesitant. Uh, the pitching was a little rough at times. Um, I, I just think this team, this LSU team deserves it more. They're battle-tested. Uh, that Tennessee game was super impressive. Um, you know, that's in, what, 20 minutes? or uh, 40, 45, 40 minutes, so, yeah. Um, I, I'm ready to go. i got to get home and watch this thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Brendan, appreciate your time as always, my guy. And uh, look, stay in touch, brother. Yes, sir. And there he goes, Brendan Ertle of Canal Street Chronicles in what was our final Who Dat Wednesday. We'll take a timeout, 5.15. When we return, we're talking more, you guessed it, LSU baseball right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The St. Landry Fire District number 5 is currently looking for volunteer firefighters. You must be 18 years old or older to apply. All training and equipment is paid for by the district, and this is a great starter program to get into fire service and an even better way to get involved in your community. If interested in serving the community as a volunteer firefighter, please call Jim at 337-278-2468. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline 337-706-0111. Broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. A couple of house cleaning things to get to earlier. We mentioned Will Wade's punishment from the NCAA. He's going to receive a 10-game suspension, uh, which will trump the five-game suspension handed out by McNeese. And he will also receive a two-year recruiting show cause. Basically what that means is that he can't participate in off-campus recruiting. You know, that, that that's a, that's a hey, bad, don't do it again. Which you think like, oh, okay, well that kind of sucks. But then, like you'd alluded to, there's loopholes. There's, there's loopholes around it. You could just go get your other staffmen to go to the recruits, and then you schedule them to fly to campus. That way you can do in-campus visits and have discussions there. Correct. So there are loopholes. Uh, McNeese basketball will be fine. Will Wade will be fine. Um, You'll be competing very look, soon. Ten games. He'll be back by conference play. It'll be fine. I, that, I, I'm, that, that, I'm not worried. And then LSU football and LSU basketball both got a three-year probation, but neither one of their probations are, are postseason bans or, or anything like that. So really and truly... All you have to do if you're LSU football and LSU basketball is not get in trouble. Keep your nose clean for three years. It's not that hard. I think you'll be okay. Um, Also, the NBA. What a wild week it has been for Chris Paul. (laughs) Cat gets traded from the Suns to the Wizards. The Wizards go, nah, fam, we don't even want you. We going to deal you to the Warriors. Deuces, dude. Now... I like what the Wizards are doing here because in the trade for the Porzingis deal, you got Tyus Jones. Now you've got Jordan Poole and your recouping draft picks that you lost in the Chris Tass Porzingis deal. What the Wizards are doing is they're resetting. They've completely thrown the John Wall, Bradley Beal era fresh out the window. And they're running a hard reset. Now you've got Tyus Jones, who is not great, but he's not bad either. You've got Jordan Poole, who's a great three-point shooter. And then you have a top 10 pick tonight. You're building for the future here. And I think that that is a very smart move for the Washington Wizards, who right now are a forgotten franchise. Right, and with Jordan Poole, Tyus, you got some young guys, but then you've also got some vets, like how you got Daniil Gallinari Correct. in the trade with Chris Topps, Porzingis, Landry Shamitz, a solid guy. I mean, you're not going to be competing anytime soon, but having him be in a starting role, and then once you get younger guys and you can get other guys on the team, slowly have him be out of there. You can work with this. It's going to take a lot of time. But hitting the reset, getting rid of Bradley Beal, not having John Wall on the team anymore, Kuz is currently a free agent, like kind of hitting a hard reset button. I'm not always the biggest fan of it, but it was like Washington's not going anywhere anytime soon. Like you said, they're not going to do anything, so why not do it now? Because if you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? Three years from now? When in the three years that you waited, you didn't make the playoffs? And you wasted whatever was left of right. valuable 
trade assets with you, you might as, Bradley Beal. You, you might as well start it now and maybe potentially be good in five years. Take, take a lesson out of the Oklahoma City Thunder playbook because they did it right. They stacked up draft capital. They made solid moves to get young core pieces, and now look what look what they're doing. They are the second youngest team in the NBA, and they're going to be a serious threat next season. James, NBA draft tonight. Victor's going one. Yeah. There's no doubt. Which it makes so much sense with the Spurs uh, and their history of getting Tim Europeans. Duncan all over again. It's Tim Duncan all over again. It's, it's glorious. I hate the Spurs, but it's glorious. Two, there was a period where you thought it was Brandon Miller. Well, ever but, since this morning. But Vegas seems to think otherwise. And keep in mind, last year, Vegas called it on Paolo Bancaro. Yeah, it was last minute, even like an hour before the draft. They were like, uh, we'll switch everything. It's, it's yeah. Paolo at one. So the fact that Scoot has kind of gotten the last little bit of momentum to be the number two, I think he's going to Charlotte, and I could see him in that blue uni next to Lamelo, and then Brandon Miller. I going could see him in the in the black and red as a trailblazer. And then from there, it's up in the air. Four down is kind of you know team team preference at at that point. The Pelicans pick at fourteen. Uh, there are a couple of different options for them. Obviously, you know, we brought up Jordan Hawkins out of UConn. Keontae George is a name that's been thrown around. Um, I'm seeing here Kobe Bufkin, the shooting guard out of Michigan, uh, could be a, a guy that the Pelicans look at. Jalen Hood Shifano, the freshman point guard out of Indiana. Keontae George is in this kind of mix. Grady Dick as well out of Kansas. There's guys that the Pelicans can go after. But James, in your opinion, looking at the Pelicans roster, where is their biggest need? I think if you can go get either another shooter, like whoever's, depending on what's available with the best shooters, with like shooting guards and just wings in general, I think that'd be best. Or, depending on what happens, if you want to trade back up or something, go get another center. Because Jonas isn't getting any younger, and do you really trust Willie Hernan Gomez Correct. to be your consistent starter at center? No. No. I don't. So, you're either going to have to find somebody that's proven soon to replace Jonas, whether it's in the draft, sign one, or trade for one. All right, buddy. Three minutes to go. LSU, Wake Forest, winner take all. What happens tonight? Who wins? Well, considering you're going to have the two great pitchers. Yeah. And the fact that weather could be a thing where you already felt like it was going to be a low-scoring affair. At this point, it almost feels like it could be 2-1 to one unless you just get so much where you just split the gaps or you just get it in between shortstop and third and in between 
second and shortstop and between first and second. Like if you can get it past the infield and just have a bunch of singles, unless that happens, I think it's going to be a really low scoring game. I was hoping it would be a lot higher, like a seven, five, but with everything that's happening, it makes me want to believe that this is going to be another three to two ball game or even lower, like maybe a two to one. Yeah. I, I'm almost interested to see what happens because obviously you're going to have two great pitchers on the mound. But I've watched some Rhett Louder tape. He's good. I'm not. He's good. He's beatable. He hangs fastballs. He he gives pitches that that LSU will be able to attack. I think this matchup fits LSU very well. And then I I think Wake Forest's batting lineup after last night might be a tad down on themselves. I see LSU taking the momentum from last night and building on it. Now, it's not going to be easy. Wake Forest is going to give them every ounce of trouble. Give me LSU 5-3. to three. They advance. And, and they make it to the championship series. I'm not going to give a prediction for the championship series yet. That, that, can, be, that can be tomorrow's problem. But... 5-3, they win tonight and, and move on to play Florida this weekend is, is my call. James, what about you? What's your score? Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll go with 3-2. to two. You're going 3-2? Yeah, LSU? Officially. Yeah. Okay. We'll I, wa- I want to say 2-1, to one, but I feel like maybe that's just a little too a little low too scoring. Low. Yeah, 3-2 to two sounds sounds more, uh, more realistic. NBA draft tonight, 7 o'clock. LSU obviously gets started at 6. Pre-game beginning in about 40 seconds. I want to take this opportunity to thank Connor O'Neill from Deacons Illustrated and Brendan Ertle for joining us for Houdat Wednesday on a Thursday. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them, and we're back tomorrow for one final crunch time, 4-6 to six, right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Let's throw it over to Charles Schwab Field now in Omaha. It's LSU. It's Wake Forest. Winner goes to the championship series. Here's the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair.